So I, I've been getting these text messages. Uh, maybe I should just read them to you. First one begins. Hi, Stephen. Uh, so immediately I know somehow this is for my dad. Uh, why I'm getting texts for my dad. I don't know. Hi, Stephen. We're looking for Dems in Aberdeen to run for local office. <laughs> Would you like info on how to run? Uh, yes. That's from Mary with Contest Every Race. Uh, yes. Another one. Hi, Stephen. I'm Tara with Contest Every Race. We're looking for Dems in Grays Harbor County to run for local office. Want info on how to run? Um, I just want to, you know, it's somehow I think... Uh, my dad must have like some Democrat like pestered him for his number at some like local thing, probably. And as a goof, I'm thinking he gave them mine. <laughs> um, and uh, well, the joke's on him because, you know, uh, they really must have liked the cut of his jib and are, are wanting him to run for local office uh, as, you know, like a city council person in uh, fucking Aberdeen or something. And uh, well, the you know, now the now they just won't have that. Yeah, no, look, uh, we're starting a campaign. They are going to have it because we're starting to recruit Greg's dad. Right? We're, 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 we're bringing him into the race. Yeah, let's recruit do it. Greg's dad, man with um, some of the greatest political opinions of all time and really the future of American politics, a Trump Democrat. Welcome back to the Mechanical Freak Podcast, the podcast where we track uh, neoliberalism as it slowly drives us deeper and deeper into the grave from neoliberalism's heart, Seattle, Washington. We're actually pivoting the show. We're now a Recruit Greg's Dad podcast exclusively. Uh, we're going to talk about the uh, political platforms Greg's dad could have. We're going to talk about where yeah. what his address is and where people can go to pastor him. We got run. the crooked media sponsorship. Like we 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 got. Come on, guys. We got to make some yeah. money on this pod. So yeah, we're with the Pod Save Boys now under their umbrella. And exactly. And all our politics nerds out there, uh, what's the better district, Aberdeen or Grace Harbor? Uh, crunch <laughs> some numbers for us. <laughs> Let us know. You know what what's the best district for maybe entering Greg's dad uh, to run. <laughs> Greg, what are some exciting <laughs> platforms that your dad might have as a candidate? Yeah, gosh. Uh, you know, lock her up. Um, <laughs> Honestly, that's okay, probably I'm that might listening. win him the election. <laughs> I'm listening. Uh, you know, uh, make uh, Muhammad Ali king of Africa. God damn, I would Again? vote for him, honestly. Yeah. <laughs> like that, he's actually starting to win me over. This, is this like supposed to deter me? Anyway. <laughs> he's gonna be the first Democrat to get 100 percent of the vote. <laughs> <laughs> well Yeah. He he'd be he's like um he's like a uh like a a Roman statue Avi guy, 
who's not on social media and without the aesthetics, he just actually reads a lot of ancient texts for no reason. You know? Well, then see, Greg, this is where he's not like the, you know, Roman statue guys is because they don't read ancient texts at all. Yeah. Like, yeah. like a lot of the Roman statue guys who call themselves like the culture tutor or something, yeah. you know, aesthetic like a them. Michelangelo thing. Yeah. Like they'll like tweet a picture of the Nor- Notre Dame and be like, how did they build this without any machinery whatsoever? Yeah. <laughs> like what y'all think is like, isn't that, isn't, aren't you supposed to know that dude? Like, <laughs> like why are you make, asking the, the common people, you know, like, that in the Cinemax show Rome. Well, you know, as an exciting new insurgency within the uh, democratic party, the recruit, Greg's dad faction is almost certainly going to get an invite to the 2024 Democratic National Convention, which is going to be da 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 in Chicago. In Chicago, uh, guys, they had to have made this decision before the Chicago Teachers Union won the mayorship of Chicago, right? Like, <laughs> <laughs> this is presumably to celebrate their weird charter school candidate winning the mayorship. I mean. Yeah, you got to figure that, yeah, it came before that and that they were just waiting to announce, you know, to not have it be part of the mayor's race story or anything, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, But, you know, like third eye open as always, like I just wonder, like I'm trying just trying to, to divine like other forms, you know, and I, I wonder like. If it's not that, is it somehow like, you know, someone, some Democrat democratic like self-destructive instinct you know at work mm-hmm. like to set the guy what's the new mayor's name brandon brandon Let's johnson go brandon yeah mm-hmm. um you know to set him up for failure somehow by like you know you know imagining like a scenario where there's like protesters where, you know where like he has to ultimately uh you know choose sides or something i don't know or just like looks feckless for having like a, a chaotic uh city during the convention or something i don't know i i that's like i don't know if that's real that's where my mind goes because you know you know this is like we're gonna talk like local stories on this episode but like this is like this is that's a local politics story from somewhere else and as like a local politics uh head my immediate instinct not knowing really much about this brandon johnson guy except yeah like he's from he's from the teachers union and like the radical like faction of the Chicago's teachers union at that, like, man, why would you want to be mayor? Like what a mistake, dude. Like, don't, I, whatever. Like, like congrats on the win dog, but damn. But like, and whatever, however cool a guy or not, this Brandon Johnson guy actually is like, <laughs> no, like it'll, this can only turn out badly. Like for him, for anyone who is excited for just like there's nothing good that can come out of any like city hall any mayor's office in america in a big city especially and certainly like a let's say radical you know uh what i don't know is he supposed to be like socialist adjacent or something yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. i mean he he's like a, a he's backed by dsa and you know i yeah. think mm-hmm. was against uh well sorry was for uh defunding the chicago police um, I don't yeah. know if he made that as like a central like part, like the main part of his platform, but it certainly was like, you know, um, 
There was some rhetoric, at least. Yeah, there's definitely what, rhetoric there. All yeah. the stories were about that he was supposedly like, you know, but like, I mean, yeah, they, but yeah, you know, he's they like the a, same thing on the Seattle, radical ring of Minneapolis. The like, yeah, yeah. I mean, like, I think I, I know that um, like socialists definitely like went hard for him. I know people who like volunteered for him. Um, I honestly don't know uh, too much about him, so I don't want to pretend like I do. But um, I do agree with you, Greg, that at a certain point, um we've talked about this on the pod before about the idea of a socialist being in an executive position, especially, you know, at the, at the local level and, you know, federal level, honestly, um, brings a very weird contradiction into the equation where you are like the police's boss, right? Like you are like the city, you're, you're the boss of the city, right? Which means that you have to actually make executive decisions and you can't just like, you know, have like pure, like left wing, uh, you know, legislation all the time or propose it, right? Like you actually have to do um, governing and that means you're inheriting problems from past administrations. And, you know, that means that you're going to have to make some really tough decisions, which could really, it just would really suck. You know, the position of being a mayor with like existing conditions, because it's not like you just get a clean slate after you're elected. You have to deal with all the shit that's already there. Um, and so, you know, being in an executive position as a socialist, yeah. especially in, you know, neoliberal big cities like Chicago or Seattle or New York, um, it's just a challenge because there's already, you know, established, uh, there's established factions in politics um, and yeah, you, constituencies. You're, you're hemmed in and a lot of your choices are so constrained as to essentially already be made for you. Now, here's an alternative. What if he is getting himself into the mayorship? Not to defund the police, not to, you know, solve any of these other Chicago problems, but to solve the bigger Chicago problem, which is bringing Chicago hip hop back home. He's going to bring Kanye out of the wilderness and say, hey, man, your role is not a superintendent of schools, but a superintendent of Chicago public schools. Right. Oh, yeah. You know? no, he's or, already did with uh, with, uh, yeah, with the Donda gr- yeah. school. Yeah, he saw Wyoming. the Donda school and he's like, yeah. there's a lot that's really impressive there. <laughs> Let's bring that to Chicago public like, schools. Damn, these school uniforms are are sick. Yeah, they're, sushi they're, they're, every these day. These kids are like, tripped out. Yeah, sushi every day. These kids are fucking dope. But also, <laughs> he's, he's also looking, though, and he's saying, look, uh, Chance the Rapper, stop doing the voice and come back <laughs> to Chicago and uh, encourage more uh, artists to uh, put the records out for free on the Internet. <laughs> Right. No, what he needs to do is he needs to bring Dat Piff back. He needs to bring <laughs> like the live mixtape era back. Yeah, you know? exactly. Yeah. So, you know, uh, maybe that's why he ran for mayor, in which case he'll go down as Chicago's greatest mayor. Cool. Uh, I mean, that sounds great. I think what he's going to find Greg's out. Like, I know all these people. <laughs> <laughs> I think what he's going to find out is that the police department is his boss and that yeah. um, the only people who can overrule them are real estate capital and the state government yeah yeah <laughs> well, i mean we that's have... the problem is that's who like controls politics like on the like uh, you have one person and like the actual power that's wielded in a city is from real estate and police and capital right like like that's like kind of a hard nut to crack if labor is still pretty you know weak yeah. even if you have like the teachers union and stuff it's just it's well, not easy i mean you saw what happened with bill de blasio the guy who's literally like capes for um nypd 
Like, <laughs> regardless, he threatened to like arrest his daughter arrest or worse. Daughter did arrest post her address, post her whole details, and like threatened, like basically did a thinly veiled mafia threat on Bill De Blasio's daughter, yeah. <laughs> a guy that's who's just so like, funny. who's this, who's their guy, right? Like, I mean, yeah. that's that's who you're dealing with as mayor. You know, PD is undefeated (laughs) and threatening mayors, but we did get a threat from Chicago PD that they were all going to quit. And again, I would just love for people to keep an eye out for how many, after making that threat, how many Chicago police officers are actually going to quit the world's easiest six figure job. (laughs) Watch this (laughs) space. Yeah. Yeah. Ain't that of them fucking quitting. The job's too easy, but uh, you know, there's a certain type like has been in Seattle who's at the end of their career anyway, or like can get a job somewhere else who's going to get so worked up that they're, you know, they really do leave. And so they see some, some outflow, like, you know, a, a slightly elevated level of, uh, of, uh, cops leaving Seattle, you know, but hmm. you know, mostly they're just going to get riled up. They'll, they'll just be motivated yeah. to, because they'll, they're, the enemy that they believe they're fighting, which is the society that they are policing, you know, that's what mm-hmm. policing is, right? You believe, you know, we'll have like this figurehead now, this more like focused, uh, energy to get, to get mad at and, uh, get really into being, uh, cops fighting the city, you know? So that, that I think is what they have to look forward to there. Yeah. Yeah. All right, well, going from Chicago to some local news, uh, new legislation just dropped in the state of Washington, although I have to make a a personal note to the stranger, (laughs) a paper, I guess we can't call it a paper anymore, but a website that we do follow, uh, maybe be a little more clear about where legislation is in the process in the future. (laughs) (laughs) when writing about it but uh some you know important legislation making its way through the colon of the washington legislative process uh what what do we got to look forward to greg what's what's happening here on our horizons our political horizons hey well um this uh the state senate passed a bill allowing duplexes and fourplexes in most neighborhoods, regardless of local zoning. They're overruling the local tyranny of zoning laws. Uh, And uh, this is the, you know, the bipartisan, this is the missing middle bill. Free at last. (laughs) What's funny, you know, I mean, this, this is, this is cool and good. It's fine. You'd like, sure. Get rid of all zoning, whatever. I don't care. Build fourplexes. Fine. Whatever. Soviet style apartment blocks. Great. Um, so, you know, this this is the kind of thing like lay, lay epic urbanists will always accuse <laughs> uh, people like us who make fun of them of being against. And it's like, no, uh, yeah, but it is also funny that like as is quoted, as is mentioned in the uh, the stranger in, in slog here, um, you know, there are opponents who think these decisions should be handled locally, uh, but. You know, even the Republican minority leader, Senator John Braun, likes it because he doesn't think cities should tell anyone what to do with their property. And I just I love like the coming together of the 
the like yimby urbanist and the man of you know republican virtues and liberty you know mm-hmm. the real yeah, the eastern the, washington yeah, libertarian <laughs> the, prop, the property rights libertarian yeah um yeah. is is perfect um and uh you know it's just sort of a window into what the actual politics of this are which is giving a free hand to developers is like what ultimately comes out of this which is not what you would want out of getting rid of like restrictive single family zoning you might want to yeah. actually like if you're trying to solve a housing crisis you might want to actually do things that are going to bring the rent down uh and this isn't that so it's all yeah. it's all well and good it's fine i don't give a shit i don't think there should be such restrictive zoning but like if you think this is going to bring rent down or solve the housing crisis you're a baby yeah, I mean, a couple of things. The first one, just big congratulations to the DSA Yimby Caucus. Uh, I heard they, <laughs> they they blocked up in the legislature building to help get this passed. And, you know, so congrats to them. Big shout out. Uh, <laughs> but <laughs> yeah, the other one, I mean, the entire premise that deregulation is going to get us out of the crisis this time. How many things have we applied that to at this point? Right. You know, hasn't that just been what we've done for 50 years is say, oh, we have a public education deregulate, right? <laughs> like, when is deregulating ever <laughs> solved? Uh, it solved the biggest problem of all, Brian. Deregulation has gotten us out of the tyrannical trap of the New Deal uh, welfare state. <laughs> that is true. That is true. <laughs> it solved the problem of, of the uh, consensus of the 30s, you know? Yeah, well, it solved the problem of the declining rate of profit in manufacturing by just creating profit through rent seeking, essentially. But yeah, yeah, I mean, you know, sort of as you pointed out, Greg, is the the sort of the main argument from like a lot of YMBs seems to be that it's government red tape and bureaucracy is holding real estate interests back who really want to just come in and provide housing, which is just a fascinating way to look at modern america that real estate interests are powerless small beans who need to be protected by grassroots organizations arguing you know lobbying for them in city and state governments when you know the funniest thing about that whole clarence thomas debacle is to find out that this harlan crow character is just a real estate guy he's a texas real estate guy who literally owns a supreme court judge (laughs) (laughs) i mean you're talking about like they want to let a million trumps bloom you know yeah right like we had we had the capital t-h-e real estate guy as president for four years like as if real estate doesn't run every level of politics in america (laughs) you know like if there's zoning restrictions it's because real estate interests want them right and if they don't want them anymore they'll get rid of them like which is what's happening now which is what this is yeah i mean it's it's just a really incredible way to view the United States, right? Like I mean, real estate billionaires need a, they need a more open hand, right? <laughs> They've been, they been uh, restricted for too long. We've been holding yeah. them back for too long. <laughs> we talked about this two weeks ago, but your house that you rent now is going to get torn down in yep. favor of a fourplex. And yep. that those each one of those much smaller uh, units in the fourplex are going to be if uh evidence surrounding evidence is any indication vastly more expensive than the one house you are renting now <laughs> yeah it rocks i mean on the same and, lot you know 
And it's fundamentally not understanding the role that housing plays in the American economy. I, I think, you know, like, let's be honest, some Yimby people like work for Windermere and places like that. Right? Mm-hmm. Some, some of them very clearly are, they know what they're doing. But uh, a lot of like, well-meaning people, like all these things get caught up in it. And uh, I think they just fundamentally misunderstand the role of real estate, which is not to house people or anything like that. The role of real estate is a store of value for investment and a way to extract rents, right? And because of that role, like it just is not going to provide housing for everybody, as evidenced by the entire history of capitalism, during which there has been more or less regulations, more or less or no zoning. And yet, Capitalism has never provided housing for everybody. In fact, at a time when there was zero zoning in Seattle, we even had a whole slum district full of essentially improvised housing called Shacktown. That, Return. Uh, that, yeah, that the same Yimbius today, if they were alive then, would be demanding to be burnt down. So... <laughs> <laughs> yeah return to the tenements return to shack towns right you know, that seems to hey i mean look it was a lot denser all right like new york was a lot denser <laughs> <laughs> my god that fucking that fucking yimby account that was like posting pictures of the tenements in hell's kitchen in like 1910 and was like what happened to this density what and happened all the nimbies moved in yeah god damn <laughs> <laughs> what happened to seven families living in a single tenement a windowless, like yeah. <laughs> <laughs> which they're all advocating for, you know, the like single stairwell windowless apartments. Let's make it happen. Hey, Who honestly, needs plumbing? Plumbing's it, getting in the way of building more units, right? What happened to like, a single outhouse for the whole building? Look, we joke, but maybe for another episode, we should actually discuss the actual reality of this might happening because the vacancy rate of offices in mm-hmm. you know corporate offices are still really high interest yeah. rates are really high and it's going to come to a point where they're either going to default which um you know would happen if there's no intervention since this is real estate there you know probably will be intervention on a really mass scale i can see a scenario where you know there's a big push to convert a lot of these corporate offices into residential uh units and that will be heavily subsidized um and you know, that would beg the question on if, you know, that provides a new lower tier of housing where they're like, oh, is this like a, is this like a place made for like, you know, residential housing or is this like a building convert, which is like yeah. a step even below that. Uh, and which would, you know, tacitly, I think, uh, bring down housing standards too, right? Oh, well, you know, we don't need windows anymore, mm. right? We don't need like, yeah. you know, yeah. The pipes aren't built for like, you know, toilets in like every room. Right. You know what I mean? Like (laughs) or every unit, I should say. Um, Yeah, I think that that could that that has a real opportunity to like, you know, create an almost a new class of housing. Right. Yeah. That that would be subsidized a lot because this is a ticking time bomb. But maybe that's for another episode. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. The demand for deregulation is essentially a demand to return to like 19th century standards for housing, which uh, no, thank you. (laughs) <laughs> so that's all I can say. No pass. thanks. <laughs> Strong pass. pass on my thing. All right. Well, you know, uh, the creation of tenements in Spokane was not the only bill to pass the legislature. Uh, we also had uh, this is very exciting. I, I'm very excited for this. Finally, finally, uh, we've gotten a new police pursuits law passed by uh, the House. Right now, it's on its way to the governor. Um, 
which is finally going to take the shackles. We're going to deregulate policing. <laughs> Let them do, <laughs> do a chase whoever they want. So, like, we talked about, I'm sure, like, when the legislature, when the state passed some regulations in the wake of 2020 in mm-hmm. 2021 on like limiting like an an e what you, what should have been like an easy gimme for the state to regulate uh police pursuits easy you know looking for some way to like oh look what we're doing to uh reform the police you know easy because basically every police department has it as policy not to do police pursuits because of the obvious reasons that have been just found over and over again. And in study after study, like they just kill people, including cops. I mean, they Mm -hmm. they just kill random innocent, like bystanders driving that, that they don't really serve any purpose. Um, You you can just find the person later or not, because like, it's not worth like killing people on the highway you shouldn't do police pursuits and so cars in america have this weird thing where there's a tag on them that is attached to the owner of the car's home address right (laughs) you know so you actually don't need to pursue any of them ever you could just show up at their house later like every other country in the world does um but the state you know miscalculated that you know because you know they they don't have like our level of analysis, they forgot to consider that just because um, it's policy at every department never to do this, uh, that that has nothing to do with whether they do it or not, which they do quite often. And even possibly more importantly, that just because it's their policy that they've set uh, at the departments, that they would not like bitterly resist having any control from above, like as if they answer to any laws or like uh higher uh uh federal or uh government authority right um so they passed this bill in 2021 uh putting minor restrictions like basically in line with the policies as stated by police departments on this and ever since there's been this campaign by police unions in the state to get this overturned and we talked about this last year when they were like this campaign was really getting going. The bills were being put forward in the legislature. And we laughed at like how the, the proposed bills would basically just completely nullify the, the the previous law by allowing like them to, by giving all these exceptions of like allowing, you know, them to do pursuits. If there's reasonable suspicion of someone has, of someone has like committed a violent or sex crime or, you know, and other little details that are the kind of things that cops can just make up and decide, you know, and obviously get away with uh, to, to do what they want to do when they want to do it. And we, you know, probably spent half an episode laughing at how fucking ridiculous that would be if they just totally gutted uh, that bill with that very, like, you know, easily skirted language that, you know, again, just in wants you to not take into account the fact that police just do whatever they want and make shit up all the time. But of course that is really what the law, how the law was written, like giving these like backdoors for police to just do what the fuck they want. Like they do all the time. But this is what has actually come down the pike now is incredible. I'm going to quote from slog again here. Uh, The Washington state house has passed Senate bill 
5352, which I actually will clarify, hasn't gone to the governor's, is on the way to the governor's desk, but we there's also a, you were saying, Brian, yeah, there's an a, emergency clause, which makes it go into effect <laughs> before he's even signed it. So it is the law, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> so effectively, this has been passed as a quote unquote state of emergency, <laughs> right? <laughs> which you do for things that require instant aid. Like, say you wanted emergency funding for like a natural disaster. You would say like this funding is going to become immediately available. We're not going to wait for Inslee to sign it because we assume yeah. that's a fait accompli, right? And we need to get the money going, right? Yeah. And uh, so this is the police are saying it's an emergency. We have to do high speed pursuits right now. <laughs> so they, this will allow them to pursue suspects if they have a reasonable suspicion someone has committed or is committing a violent or sexual crime is driving while intoxicated, which is one we talked about yeah, a few months ago, was always part of the rhetoric, mm-hmm. which is like, yeah, they can. So all they have to do is say, oh, I, I saw them swerve a little. And uh, just like they yep. can pull you over for oh, saying your taillight was out or what, you know, just make it up. It doesn't matter. So their gloves are off. Gloves are off with that. And that's what we talked about, like four months ago or something. Yeah. Which that year. would be the extent of the loophole, right? right. That's really that's, all, that's you, all need, you need. But, yeah. That's all you need. But they went one further. <laughs> In theory, they're supposed to have, you know, really good reason yeah. for in doing a high speed chase. OK, for chasing you down. And the reasons they are able to do this now, if they have a reasonable suspicion someone's committed or is committing a violent or sexual crime is driving while intoxicated or. Is escaping from police. <laughs> <laughs> If you're you're physically driving away from them, meaning the direction of your travel is anything other than directly at the police officer, you are now uh, being chased. If the only reason, if the necessary reason for doing a police chase, like the the that would be included in any form of police chase is implied by the nature of a police chase. If a police chase is happening, <laughs> then a police chase is legal is yep. what that yeah, means. Okay. Like, so you don't even need the worm. They don't, it's not like nothing. Like they don't need any of the pretext. If a police chase is occurring, a police chase is legal. Yeah. So, so why? Wh- <laughs> so, so you could just chase people then. <laughs> well, <laughs> at this, with yeah. this now, I mean, with this guidance from the state, you know, uh, police departments should really think about uh, uh, revisiting their guidelines on whether, uh, you know, they should have their policies set against police chases. Because like the state's saying, like, look, you know, if a police chase is happening, a police chase should be happening. So maybe you should change your guidelines to say always chase people with your cars. Yeah, and I mean, you- you know, and for departments that maybe don't necessarily change their regulations right off the bat, I mean, you'll obviously have uh, cops within the department who know that this has just been passed by the state and will engage in high speed pursuits and will essentially force the hand of changing it. I mean, the thing is that what you brought up earlier, Greg, which is worth pointing out for at least 20 years, departments in every city in America have banned high speed pursuits in their regulations. Now, do cops still do them? Yeah, of course they do, right? But uh, they do them at lower rates than they did in like the 80s and 90s. Yeah. Um, so this is not this was not a controversial policy in any way. Like it was well understood that the, it's very dangerous to engage in high speed high speed pursuits for everybody involved, including strangers. Um, but this is just a response to the George Floyd stuff, right? The police are saying 
not only do we want, you know, none of the reforms that the George Floyd protesters asked for, we none of that can pass, right? Which has is become the case. None of that has passed. We also demand a peel back of any reform, just, you know, no matter how arbitrary, we want it peeled back of the last like 30 years, right? <laughs> Including stuff that the police initially agreed to, which was getting rid of high-speed pursuits because it's fucking dangerous, you know? Um but yeah, so we're just going back. I guess we're building the bridge to the 19th century, essentially. <laughs> Every day. Good stuff. Yeah. Um, okay. In slightly better legislature news, um, Washington passes protections for trans people fleeing other states. HB 1469. Hold on, hold on um, Greg. If, if the trans people are fleeing, can the police pursue them <laughs> as they enter the state, though? Oof. I mean, I don't know. Maybe this. Uh, <laughs> these do not know, sound like two things. bills that we should be reading back to back. <laughs> Introduce the real it, problem. <laughs> OK, so, well, let's tease it out. Like Washington State. Uh, Washington is the 10th state to pass a shield law protecting trans people or their supportive parents and doctors from out of state subpoenas, protection and extradition for accessing or providing protected health care services. And I, I mean, to answer your question, Brian, I would say that. Like you're saying, in the middle of a police pursuit or having been pulled over, like um, what you know, a court, a Washington state court being instructed by the by state law not to uh, issue extradition orders, as it you know, uh, isn't mm-hmm. really going to help you. But um, you know, this is a it's a nice, it's a positive thing. I would say, like, mm-hmm. oh, you know, in its own, in, in the vacuum, I would say, like, if this is going to be the if this ends up being the extent of the response to like the growing like uh, exterminationist trans rhetoric and legislation in the worst states in the country of like, uh, you know, providing like, you know, some sanctuary states uh, that people can flee to. I mean, that, you know, that's that's not going to be a good future. Um, yeah, yeah. And it's and that's I but I think it is the future you can look forward to because on a national level, the Democrats, you know, don't seem to want to take on uh, the, you know, the responsibility to protect uh, trans people and their and their families and from the, you know, the menace of like Ron DeSantis and, you know, Texas and fucking. Idaho, you know, well, yeah, 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 Idaho. Uh, Um, uh, yeah, I mean, uh, it's, it's not great. I mean, um, the thing is as a state, you can say, look, we're not going to recognize extradition orders. You could ask how many states will actually live up to that promise, right? That's a real question. But the other part of it too, is we have this thing called the federal government with its own policing agencies, including people who serve warrants and grab people and stuff like that. And, it's very reminiscent of the cities who became sanctuary cities during the Trump administration, mm-hmm. but ICE continued to operate within the cities completely uninhibited, right? And right, the the uh, sanctuary it, city part was just well, we won't directly, theoretically, we won't yeah. directly cooperate with ICE. We won't like go out of our way to provide them with you know information. Yeah, uh, you know, just, in a di- it's something, but you know, yeah, and symbol- it also relies symbolic. When it relies on police departments who agree with all the anti-trans legislation to also agree not to enforce it or help in any way those who are trying to enforce it. I mean, it is worth remembering that in the sort of pre-Civil War antebellum period, 
the actual states' rights contingent in the United States was like states like Massachusetts who were saying, we don't have to help return slaves to the South. And the federal government forced them, (laughs) you know, uh, uh, you know, to essentially return slaves back. Right. So like, you know, this effort at trying to like nullify the laws of our most reactionary states has always kind of failed at the seat of the federal government, who's always stepped in to make sure that the most reactionary states laws do become national effectively. Right. And uh, I, that is the concern here. I I think this idea of Democrats saying we can continue to hide in our shell and just live in our our wonderful blue states. uh, I I don't think that's going to work long term. Not a good plan. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, well, yeah. I mean, one thing that's going to be a problem. Yeah. Federal policing agencies, but also the federal judiciary. Yeah. uh, Which brings us to a story that is uh, semi-local. This is in Politico. Dueling abortion pill rulings put Biden administration in legal pickle. So a few days ago, uh, one ruling from a conservative judge in Amarillo, Texas, essentially in okay is it all right fuck you amarillo you want me to say amarillo yes, i i just read it like correct pronunciation fine yes. fine i think you'll find that um probably at some point in a in a in a distant past someone was uh, people were calling Greg, it amarillo why don't you go take a survey of the complexion of the people who live in amarillo and get back okay, to okay. me on that one. i'm just saying i read it i read it <laughs> phonetically correctly okay <laughs> Amarillo, Texas, essentially invalidated the Food and Drug Administration's approval of uh, the um, the abortion pill drug. I didn't read the first paragraph. Me- Mifepristone. That's the one. It's, you know, uh, mm. a, 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 I think a large majority of abortions are basically conducted using this drug um, for all kinds of reasons, uh, all, all types of abortions, a lot of them. Um, so. This guy in Texas, this federal court in Texas, invalidated the Food and Drug Administration ruling. Um, The other ruling issued 20 minutes later by a liberal judge in Spokane, Washington, directed the FDA to maintain access to it in much of the country. Mephiprestone is used in more than half of all abortions nationwide. It's also used uh, to manage miscarriages. So the two rulings appeared to be in, quote, insignificant tension, the Justice Department told the Washington-based judge Thomas Rice on Monday. The Department of Justice asked Rice to clarify the government's obligations in light of the conflict, which I find real fucking interesting because, Mm -hmm. like, without getting into the, like, the legal weeds or even reading the rest of this article, I think when you have... This is obvious. Look, it's a political issue. Like, this is a a weak response from the Biden administration that in the face of fucking this, my God, the, the Supreme court fucking tore down the, the legal protection of abortion and it's being eroded everywhere in America as we're going to get to, uh, we're going to move just a, a, a few miles East of Spokane very shortly here. But like, they're playing this. This is the this is the reaction to this from the Biden administration, right, is to have the DOJ ask for clarification. <laughs> the lawyers are at work here saying, like, you know, prepping this out, like, what can we do to make sure I'm sure like their justification would be like, well, you know, we want to make sure that we've 
follow this through in the best way to like protect ourselves against a future where this goes to the Supreme Court or something. And it's like, that may be all well and good. Maybe this is one of the things they should be doing. But like, where the fuck are they on this politically? Like where, like, this is, it's weak tea. Like, am I wrong? Like, shouldn't, like, isn't this an opportunity to be doing something else, at least saying something else, at least mm. being out here, like decrying, like at least starting. Fuck. The real answer is that these fucking judges, like the Supreme Court, all the way down through, I mean, all that's standing between the entire country losing access to this drug, like next week, or after an appeals process, no doubt that goes to the Supreme Court, like, is. That is this one is some liberal judges and there's other ones around the country who are, are doing the same thing, but like they're fucking outnumbered. And as you go up the court, it's more and more stacked by conservatives. And of course, the Supreme Court, if that's where it goes, like so you need to be using this opportunity politically start impeachment proceedings on fucking 500 conservative judges. Go fucking buck wild, like do something, go after this motherfucker, make it political. But they won't do that. They can't do that as uh, as Democrats, as liberal, uh, you know, law and order, meritocratic, uh, institutional Democrats. They can't they want to keep believing that the courts are above politics. And it's fucking insane. That's what you should be doing right now is starting impeachment proceedings against judges, you know. Or threatening it, you know. Yeah, I mean, as as the party of institutions, the Democrat can't do that. The Democrats can't do that. They have to uphold yeah. all these institutions as if they are real, as if all of them are really above politics, ultimately, which which is all they're like. We got to cross the aisle stuff and all that. Yeah, um, they want it you know, as professionals, right? As the class, as the party professionals, they want to say, look, we're all here just experts, you know, managing the system. Right. And yeah, it has them totally screwed. I mean, they could take. Biden could take the Andrew Jackson tact of just looking at the ruling and just saying, uh, yeah, that's great. Uh, you know, how large is the army of the fucking federal judiciary? Fuck them. Mm -hmm. Like, you, you know, yeah. I'm just going to say right now, nobody has to abide by that. And we're not overturning the FDA's approval of this drug. Right. Do it now. Like, Do it now at the at the circuit court level before yeah. it gets to the Supreme Court and dare the Supreme Court to actually make it a constitutional crisis. You know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, force them, to them. Force and maybe it, they'll do right? it and then go through. But but maybe they won't. OK, and then, yeah. and then you can tell them to fuck off. But that, if you really wanted to protect abortion rights in this country more than you wanted to protect the the Republican institutions, you know, yeah. of uh, the United States, you would be doing that. You would be. Yeah. Um, well, because be of preempting that. Because of the Obama administration and Rahm Emanuel's uh, who gives a shit about judges attitude, uh, yeah. the Democrats have forever lost the federal judiciary. They're not going to get it back for decades. Right. So this idea of like, oh, we got to keep playing the game. Well, just assume you're going to get 20 to 30 more years of these type of rulings. Right. And that yeah. maybe after that, there'll be something left to come back and start clawing back one by one. The actual tact you would need to take in this situation, which the Democrats are fundamentally incapable of doing, is, yeah, you have to attack the federal judiciary as fundamentally um, illegitimate, right? Yeah. And you have the perfect opportunity to do so. I mean, Clarence Thomas is like this whole Clarence Thomas thing blowing up right now. It's like the perfect opportunity. You should begin by 
going hard, exposing Clarence Thomas, calling him, you know, the puppet of, you know, billionaires placed on the court, right? Now, the problem with the Democrats is Biden put Clarence Thomas on the court. So there's that issue, right? (laughs) But, you know, I mean, whether or not Biden remembers that at this point, who knows? But like... But but the thing is, you have to you have to go hard and you have to delegitimize the federal judiciary, and they won't do that because that ultimately means tearing the federal judiciary down and like getting rid of the Supreme Court it would have to be the ultimate goal, and they just they just won't they fundamentally are incapable of doing that, and uh, so they're gonna so they're gonna lose right. Uh, the Republicans will hold the federal yeah. judiciary, barring you know some sort of Pelican Brief type solution, <laughs> are gonna hold the federal judiciary for decades, you know, generations now, and. Uh, and it, you know, yeah. we'll see what that translates to. Yeah. You know, I do think it's equally funny, like you said, Brian, that the Democrats completely gave up or just thought that, uh, you know, judges just didn't matter in, you know, the political process or anything at all and didn't focus on it. And therefore we have just um, a stacked, um, you know, end of all of these Republican, you know, judiciaries, uh, which is why a lot of these. Uh, rulings are getting, you know, brought up. Um, at the same time, it seemed like for the last, I don't even know how long, um, Democrats have been relying on the law to pass, I think, what they considered their hallmark achievements, like legalizing gay marriage, right? Um, everything, they they don't do that really through legislative struggle, right? It all kind of comes from rulings in the courts. And so I think that those two things really do uh, conflict with each other a lot mm-hmm. where um, they're simultaneously giving up on basically their one trick pony. Basically the last thing that they had for people, especially Democrats to believe in the system that they're selling. Right. And now that's just gone as well. Cause we already mm-hmm. gave up on the executive brands. We already gave up on actually like, legislating anything. It's like, Oh, well, you know, even if we lose, um, you know, the house, the Senate and the president, Oh, we still got the courts. Right. That was kind of the line um, <laughs> over the last decade or so. Mm-hmm. Um, and now that's just kind of evaporated out of thin air too, because we just decided to throw our hands up in the air and, you know, give up on that as well. So, I mean, I, it's just like, where do you even go from here? Like, it's, it seems like the chips are kind of stacked. And of course, like if they had a spine, they would cause a constitutional crisis, but they don't got that dog in them, bro. They just don't. Yeah. They're just fundamentally incapable of doing that. And, uh, that's not great. I mean, it's, it's like. Yeah, I mean, that's they absolutely don't, you know, you, you know, you, Brian, you mentioned the Clarence Thomas shit like that. That's an opportunity, but mm-hmm. it's not actually a coincidence. Like it is because of the abortion ruling that Clarence Thomas is getting dragged right now. OK, yeah, like yeah. for for a long time, the court has been largely like off limits to politics you know like until this court until the like the recent uh appointments until you know kavanaugh being such a scumbag clarence thomas is like in some ways especially has been basically outside of like uh acceptable like public inquiry you know like you just kind of ignore him that he exists for decades um and now they are vulnerable. So there are forces out there. Reporters who are, you know, who are looking into this, people who are leaking shit, talking about who are willing to like and then willing to publish, you know, these uh, corruption stories, essentially, 
because the motherfuckers have gone too far. And they're doing this. People who are out here doing this work are are out there like or even leaking from inside, you know, whatever, like are out there doing this to give somebody some power, some fucking leverage to act, to uh, do something decisive. And, you know, that ain't happening. It's not coming, you know. Yeah, I mean, you know, if the Biden administration, the Democratic Party went hard on Clarence Thomas, the, you know, like windfall of information on other federal judges would be astonishing. Like the stuff that would start coming in, right? And allowing you to basically say like, oh, so we've decided Clarence Thomas is completely illegitimate and has to be removed immediately and every ruling he's ever like voted on should be just redone, right? You know, like I mean, that's what they should ask for basically is just be like anything where Clarence Thomas yeah. is a deciding vote should just be thrown in the trash immediately, right? And you just got to rule on it again, sorry. You know, and if the judiciary doesn't like it, I guess they should raise an army because I got one, right? <laughs> you know, like yeah. that's that should be the Democrats argument and they should just take that all the way through the federal judiciary and people should know the names of dozens of these judges. Right. And who's mm-hmm. been backing them and what billionaires. But the, I mean, the main problem with the Democrats is a, they're too in love with institutions to do that. The other part is they want some of that money too. They want that billionaire and money too. They're part of it too. They're part of it. So like yeah, if they, if so they like, go against Clarence know. Thomas too, I'm sure like, you know, the knee jerk with them is like, Oh, well, I mean, our shit's going to get exposed too. Like yeah, I mean, I, they're not clean in this, right? Like, yeah. Yeah. Cause they're like, <laughs> it's, it's the same thing with the Epstein stuff. Why they can never bring that up with Trump is that the Clintons are like so balls deep and Jerry right. Epstein's like, <laughs> child yeah. fucking prostitutes that yeah. they can't fucking you know bring that up right and it's the same thing here i mean hakeem jeffries apparently was like sucking at harlan crow's teat too so like <laughs> i mean you know the <laughs> i i guess the problem is is that uh we began this by assuming the democrats represent some sort of opposing force of the Republican Party, as opposed to just an appendage of the American capitalist class, of which the Republican Party is also an appendage, and that there's no, yeah, like there's there's no fight for them to have because there's no fight between them. Like ultimately, yeah. they find something's distasteful about the other, but like they're all, you know, they don't really give a shit one way or the other what the other guy does, you know. But it's uh, yeah, it's not great. Let's let's talk a little bit about like, this in practice, though. So obviously directly to our east uh, in the great state of Idaho, uh, where LAPD loves to retire, a story for another day. (laughs) Um, (laughs) uh, There was interesting. There was a survey last week of uh, OBGYNs in Idaho, and uh, they reached out to, I think, 120 OBGYNs and got back 117 responses uh, asking, are you considering relocating out of state in the next year? Uh, of the 117, 48 said yes, and uh, 27 said maybe. So the, the majority are saying, uh, yeah, kind of. And then asking them why they want to uh, relocate, uh, or asking, sorry, specifically, are Idaho's restrictive abortion laws contributing to your consideration of leaving medical practice in Idaho? Uh, 73 said yes. (laughs) So what we're seeing is sort of a crisis in Idaho. And you can say, well, talk is cheap. I mean, you know, the Baldwins have been saying they're going to leave America for decades (laughs) and we still got all of them, right? One might be exiting, though, for other reasons, (laughs) but (laughs) we we still got all of them. Uh, This is actually starting to have real on-the-ground effects. Uh, There was a story, again, last week uh, about... I'm sorry, a couple of weeks ago, 
that the town of Sand Point, Idaho, which is a small town, Idaho, uh, that the large hospital there, the singular large hospital, essentially is not going to have a like delivery unit anymore because they don't have the doctors to staff it anymore because they've all left the state. And this is apparently threatening uh, towns all over Idaho where all the doctors are leaving. So if you're a woman who gets pregnant in Idaho, I guess it's like Oregon Trail Days again where you're just going to have the kid in the cabin with like, you know, a hope and a prayer and I guess put your hand on the Bible and hope God helps you out. Uh, It's it's getting pretty bleak in Idaho these days, guys. Uh, Not great. Yeah, I mean, it's the nightmare scenario that was obviously coming, you know? Yeah. And the reason, by the way, the doctors are leaving is Idaho's, you know, pursued and passed the most restrictive anti-abortion laws in the country that include things like 20-year felony sentences for doctors, you know, that are even just perceived as engaging in anything that the state legislature decides to define as an abortion that week. Uh, which if you're smart and work as like an OBGYN or something like that, you uh, are going to leave because well, it's just not worth it. It's not worth yeah. the risk. Yeah. You, if you're, it's not worth the risk to perform anything adjacent to, it's not just that like you can't just put a sign up and say, well, I can't do abortions now because of state law, mm-hmm. because that's not how medical practice works. That's not how medicine, that's not how caring for people works at some, at some point fairly frequently your patient is going to okay want sure if it's if it's want maybe maybe on some level you can be an asshole and say sorry signs on the door we just don't do that here go go somewhere else uh but need there's going to be a need that you as a doctor are going to be faced with a medical situation where uh you has nothing to, you know, it's not about uh, anybody's choice or wants, which, you know, obviously should be what matters here. But like you're going to be as a practicing physician, like in a position of caring for someone who needs medical care that either definitely is or could be uh, interpreted under the new state law as um, in violation of their the abortion restrictions and like or. Even worse than that, you could have a patient with a fucking miscarriage uh, that, uh, you know, that even maybe doesn't even require or is too late to require or something uh, that could draw down the the state on you just just out of uh, just for fun, you know, on that patient yeah. and you just to prosecute someone like, you know, just uh, wouldn't that be weird if, if cops just showed up to. Uh, harass people for political reasons to process to throw the book at them if if for spurious reasons like um, we know that's happening on this exact issue where uh, you know women uh, people having you know miscarriages uh, are being targeted and uh, sometimes prosecuted uh, for um, under abortion restriction yeah you have to assume if you're working as a doctor uh, to prenatal care and stuff at Idaho that yeah, if you know a patient has a miscarriage, you are going to be in. You are going to have to assume that you're going to be in court having to prove that they had a miscarriage and not 
you know, uh, you know, any sort of abortion or anything like that, which is essentially proving a negative, which (laughs) if you understand the law is a very bad spot to be in. Uh, The other thing, too, is I think at this point you have to assume that any prescribing of um, uh, uh, contraception is probably going to run you afoul of this law as well. Right. So essentially providing any sort of care uh, to women regarding their sexual health uh, that doesn't directly result in them becoming pregnant, you have to assume is probably going to get you 20 years in prison and delicensed. So, yeah, people are leaving. You know, now this is a problem because for, you know, the last decade or so, Idaho has been 49th in the country when it comes to its doctors to population ratio, meaning it was a place that already had very little medical care as it was, uh, you know, for its citizenry. And that situation is about to get a lot worse for the women in the state. And it's one of those tough things. I mean, this is. The result of the Democrats essentially allowing, you know, abortion to just ride on a court ruling instead of codifying it, which they could have done at any point in the last 50 years. Anybody that tells you that they couldn't is a fucking full of shit. Democrats have had many opportunities to do it, and it's always been popular. They've just chosen not to because they'd rather fundraise on it. Uh, The end result is you have a situation where if you're a woman in Idaho who's, you know, between or under the age of, you know, like 55, right, you know, hasn't gone through menopause yet. You need to very seriously start considering your exit options because you could find yourself in prison very easily. Whether you think that you maybe want an abortion or not, you could find yourself in prison very easily. There have already been women, you know, prior to this ruling in Indiana who have been arrested for having miscarriages, right? Found themselves in court fighting murder charges after having a miscarriage. Those are not positions you want to be in. You need to start making an exit strategy if you can. You know, uh, it's not great. It's not great. No, it's, uh, it's horrifying. And, uh, yeah, I don't, you know, the, that's where, this is where America's going. And, and that again, to come back to, you know, this, the state law, uh, in here in Washington passing, you know, making Washington like a, a sanctuary state for, uh, trans people fleeing places like Idaho. If if that's if that's going to be the Democrats' strategy, like going forward on issues like this, this is going to, I mean, this is going to be an extremely shitty country. To yeah, live in, and, and it already is. Uh, and, so it's, I mean, and on that note, the, the governor of Idaho just signed into law an abortion trafficking bill. So even if you leave the state and get an abortion, you can then be arrested upon reentering the state. And that then leaves open to question, can Idaho then seek extradition of Washington state doctors, say, for providing health services to women who live in Idaho, right? You know, and demand that the governor of Washington extradite, you know, doctors from here, right? I mean, these are all the open questions, right, that we're now entering and the open uh, questions that you have to consider as a doctor, right? Yeah. Like, so now you have to consider as a, uh, and I know like there have been abortion clinics in some states that have been denying people coming from out of states from these states across the borders with these cra- crazy laws. There are some abortion clinics who said, look, we can't treat you because like we don't, because the legal landscape like just isn't clear and we could end up getting 
maybe prosecuted or at least like sued somehow, you know, like mm-hmm. um, they don't know. So like this is yeah, it's it's nightmarish. Yeah. And there's a lot of people who are not going to want to ta- be the person who tests that. Right. And so, yeah. I mean, that, that's the way I mean, when you talk about this idea that Democrats have of oh, we'll just let the Republicans do whatever they want to do and pass whatever reactionary stuff they pass. And we could always just hide in our blue states. It's like that stuff does not remain contained within red states. I mean, forget the fact that there are people that live in those states. Like just leaving them to this is inherently inhuman and, and disgusting. But that stuff does not stay contained in those states. And the the problem is, is that if you're a doctor, you have to consider, even in Washington state, the Republicans seem very activist about that, about this, and are really into pushing boundaries on these issues, you know, meaning they might actually ask for extradition. And Democrats seem not to want to protect any of these rights in any way, shape, or form if the last 50 years is any indication. And so they might just go ahead and allow that extradition, right? So it's not like you have a strong champion on your side, right? Like it would not make me feel better that Jay Inslee is standing between me. Fourth and quarter. Like, yeah, 30 <laughs> seconds left. Jay Inslee snapping the ball. Yeah, you know, that oh should not God. make anybody feel confident. Or that like Joe Biden might interview. I mean, none of this stuff should make anybody feel good. You know? It does not inspire confidence at all. Yeah. You know? it, and it shouldn't. Yeah. And I mean, at this point, for the Democrats, it's also worth noting the reason they didn't codify Roe v. Wade for 50 years was that they, you know, thought they might take a hit in the suburbs that they did it. But the other thing was, is they just knew it was good fundraising. And now that Roe v. Wade has been overturned, it's the fundraising has gotten better and they're winning elections off of their own inaction. What message do you think that has told Brilliant. the Democratic Party? Like, what do you think they're going to take from that? You think they're going to take, oh, man, we should do the thing we didn't do for 50 years. Or are they going to be like, damn, not (laughs) letting the court both, you know, be the sole arbiter of women's health rights and then letting them overturn women's health rights uh, has really helped us out. Right. (laughs) I mean, I think that's what they've taken from it. So it's just uh, it's just a really bad. It's bad, man. I don't know what to say. It's fucking bad, man. Yeah. Yeah. Uh it's it's real bad. Well, um yeah, that that sucks. Uh Yeah. That, that all sucks. Um but that's uh I think that's our episode for today, gentlemen. It's been good uh, plotting with you. <laughs> yeah. And uh look, for those uh who are not aware, you can join our Patreon to get extra content for a mere $5 a month. And guess what? This week, I, I just heard on the news, uh, Xi Jinping and Lula had a sleepover. They stayed up all night, and uh, guess what they did? They solved the Ukrainian war. All right, Leadership, baby. <laughs> if you want to hear more about that, become a patron. That also gives you access to our uh, Discord, where you can chat with all our other patrons who are out there doing exciting things. And let me give a. Never mind. Never mind. (laughs) I thought we had a new patron, but it took something canceled. Fuck (laughs) them. So, Uh, hey, tell a friend about our podcast. We don't sell ads. We don't take any. Like the only way we are supported is by listeners. So you know, 
better Hello, yet, uh, get a speaker, attach it to your phone, get on city transportation, get on the bus, light rail, whatever, and just bring blast a beats our pill, podcast. A specifically a beats pill, not a JBL. Yeah. Like go go back and like get the beats pill that like kind of crackles a little when you like turn it up all the way to full mm-hmm. max, full max volume on a sound transit. You know, go on maybe like the Roosevelt light rail all the way to SeaTac, blasting. Yeah our podcast yeah. and nod your head vigorously like you're yeah. agreeing just like uh-huh uh-huh mm-hmm. yeah yeah do little you know. snaps every now and then too yeah. you know agreement yeah. snaps yeah get yeah <laughs> go ahead and beats pill the train uh into getting the mechanical freak all right everybody we'll see you on the patreon it's called getting freak pilled baby <laughs> <laughs> bye everyone bye <laughs> you know.